All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. <laughs> he almost like growled. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Spoiler alert. Don't be a pixie about that either. Don't forget to follow us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. If you don't give us five stars only, I'm going to stab you in the cheek with my secret subdermal razor knife. And it's going to touch your teeth. And then I'm going to twist it. And it's going to hurt so bad. And you're not going to be a cool like Ephraim and pull it out. You're going to be a pixie. <laughs> and now, Howler Pod. Oh! Oh! What wrath we summon together, Reaper and Minotaur, legends of holy. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yes, Queen. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? Iron Gold, chapters 52 to 58. Let's load up this star shell and try not to get shot down like everybody else over Gorgon Isle. Let's not shit our suits or lose our star shells or well, get cut in half. Yeah, that's, I'm not a fan of that either. Chapter 52, Darrow, host of the Minotaur. Apollonius preps his men with a rousing speech. Severo and Darrow have a pretty serious fight. Mommy and Daddy are breaking up. <laughs> Severo says that after this, he's done. He won't let his daughters be raised without a father. Howlers then prep the Nessus and Ripwings to join the fray, and Darrow tells Rona to saddle up because she's joining the gunners on the Nessus. That takes us to chapter 53, Darrow. War God. Don't shit your suit! Don't shit it! <laughs> Darrow and his howlers are in their star shells, making Chuck Norris-style jokes about Ragnar, and they're making fun of Alexander for having his head up Darrow's ass. Uh, they think they're aiming for the back door, but end up directly in the teeth of the perimeter defenses of Gorgon Isle. Lots of fighting ensues. Darrow makes meat of men. And then he gets hit by a sniper and goes down, losing his star shell. Severo retaliates by shooting a baby nuke at the Ash Lord's Island and wipes out their pulse shield. It's just a little baby nuke. <laughs> just like baby radiation. It's fine. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit of overkill for uh, just one sniper. But he did hit Darrow, so that would be how Severo would react in that situation. And who was it, Clown, that was like, oh my god, he's dying! <laughs> yeah. Chapter 54, Darrow. Wrath of the Republic. The Ash Lord's golds have come to war. 
20 peerless meet the howlers in the air. Milia gets cut in half. Just, she did. Darrow keeps almost dying with his friends saving him over and over. Uh, Darrow and the howlers rally up toward the roof of the Ashlord's high tower. Then Darrow goes down and almost gets scalped by an obsidian. But just in time, Apollonius comes to save the day. He kills the obsidian and his men take down the rest of the resistance atop the high tower. Several Apple and Darrow go to find the Ash Lord. Chapter 55, Lysander, Requiem. Lysander is led to a secret room where he meets Gaia, Romulus's formerly senile mother. She and Lysander sit at the piano and Lysander magically remembers how to play. Weird. Faintly remembering his mother in the process, Gaia wants Lysander to rescue Romulus and hide with him while Vela and the Resistance can come in and take the power back from Dido. Lysander agrees to help her. Secretly thinking that he's not going to. His little dancing mask the whole time. Take off your mask, Lysander. Own Such up a to it. Pixie bitch. <laughs> Ben's mad at Lysander. <laughs> Chapter 56, Lysander, War of Gods. Goroth, Gaia's obsidian companion, leads Lysander and Pytha through the dark, secret tunnels under the city. Before entering the cell block, Lysander pauses. When Goroth reaches for Lysander's weapon, he stabs him in the knee. They grapple, and Goroth crushes Lysander's hand before Lysander cuts Goroth's hand off. The obsidian disappears into the darkness. Lysander kneels in front of a security camera, weapon discarded, and tells Pytha to do the same. An hour later, Dido and Serafina listen to Lysander's story. With the proof of Gaia's razor and Goroth's DNA, they have no other reason than to trust him. Dido tells Lysander that the trial for Romulus will be a sham and that she intends to rule side by side with her husband. Lysander manages to stay alive one more day. Damn. Chapter 57, Ephraim fit for a duke. Ephraim is taken to the duke with a perception scrambling hood over his head. Once there, he manages to get the duke alone before punching him and taking him hostage he cuts one of the duke's hands off and learns the kids are in a safe a few levels down on the east wing. But he must keep the duke alive to get in the safe. They move through the halls narrowly, missing some guards and killing others. They make it to the safe and the duke opens it. The kids are inside in a cage on the ground. Like little dogs. Mm-hmm. Little puppers. Chapter 58, Ephraim, Half-Breed and Hatchet Face. Ephraim breaks the kids out of their cage and quickly gets them on board with the rescue mission despite their skepticism. They need to make it up two floors and out to the Duke's personal ship in order to escape. They use the Duke as a human shield and hostage to get through his guards, quipping to each other endlessly as they make their way up and out to the ship. It's super hilarious. Just before they are getting on board, Ephraim is like, where's Gorgo? Where is that big guy? Oh, (laughs) shit. He's three floors up at the window with a sniper rifle. Ephraim is shot through the duke, through the chest by Gorgo. Pax drags him on board the ship as Electra provides cover fire. They fly away and call Holiday and Mustang. Ephraim initially refuses to take the kids back to the Citadel because he doesn't trust 
he will be protected. But Pax and the razor he is carrying have other ideas. Comply, citizen. Or I will have to learn how to fly a ship. (laughs) But wait, I can fly ships in Dark Age. Yeah, he must have been doing some flight simulators. I don't know. There's probably a part about that Dark Age that we're totally forgetting. I have a steel trap memory bin. (laughs) I don't think you do. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, what's the theme for these chapters? Tenuous alliances. Tenuous. This is a tease. (laughs) Very tenuous alliances. Tenuous alliances slash frenemies. Slash frenemies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The first place that we wanted to talk about the tenuous alliance is between our two old buds, Darrow and Severo. Our oldest buds. Obviously, their alliance is like an unbreakable alliance. But at this point, this is the closest we get to... Breakup. Yeah, breakup between Darrow and Severo. Mommy and Daddy are fighting. They're unhappy with each other. Dad's going to sleep on the couch for a few nights. He might have to move Wait, out. He might is, be staying at a hotel. Is Severo Mommy or Daddy in this situation? I mean, he's Dad. Oh, I was thinking the opposite. (laughs) I was thinking Severo was mommy. Mom or dad. Somebody's going to have to move out for a bit. They'll probably come back, you know, but it's just like maybe they're not going to spend the next couple weeks at home. Yeah. Anyway, this is Severo talking to Darrow. They just kind of had their little fight about Apollonius, basically, and how fucked this entire plan is to attack the Ashlord. And Darrow just like refuses to listen. And he's being really annoying. He's being super, super fucking he's annoying. He's like, wait, no one's seen the Ashlord in three years? Well, I wonder what's going on. And all he just says is just, do your job. Do your job. Just, like, comply, citizen. <laughs> yeah, like, <first laughs> like father, all, like son. Yeah, sorry for thinking, Darrow. My bad. For trying to... You're like, like, sorry for being Aries for, uh, like, nine <laughs> months while you're in a box. Right. Severo was throwing out a lot of things that Darrow should have been considering, and he really wasn't because he's just kind of blinded by his uh, passion for ending the war and killing the Ash Lord. He doesn't it. even have like any follow up plan after the Ash really Lord's dead. No, that's his only plan. He's really just really hanging on the edge of the cliff here. Like, I just need to get this done, and everything will be okay if I just do this. Like one the cat thing. Yeah. poster, hang in there, <laughs> yeah, hang in there. Uh, so the quote is. This is Severo. He says, after this, I'm done. I won't be like you. Won't be like my pops. He looks at me, his eyes protective and spiteful. My girls will have a dad. If that's selfish, I don't give a shit. Let someone else be Aries. Damn. I think this is like perfectly reasonable on Severo's part. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Because he's had all this uh, tension building between him and Darrow the whole time. This whole mission. And being taken away from his family. And then also, like, he's also trying to protect the other Howlers, his best friends. And he sees that they're all, like, basically about to die. And he's just pissed about it. And Daryl will expend them without, like, much of a second thought at this point. Like, And Daryl's, like, ready to die himself. He's not really thinking about what would happen if he died. Yep. It is really interesting. He even says that, like, as he's going into battle mode, he's just like, I'm not a father. I'm not a husband anymore. I'm the Reaper. And it's just like, that really struck me this time around where he's just like letting go of all that so he can embrace the Reaper. But 
I was like, should you be doing that? <laughs> I, <I'm> like, <laughs> I think he needs some counseling. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, I really hated what he said about Severo being a coward. Like, it's like he said his like fatherhood has turned him into a coward. And I was like, that's really not fair at all. Like, <laughs> and you're like, Daryl, maybe you're a coward because you're like hiding from your family and right. your fatherhood yeah. duties. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a definitely something that you could hit him back on. Because Boom. Take. <laughs> Take that spinach and eat it. That's very true. I mean, it's it's like at this point, we need some self-reflection for Mr. Darrow. This failure that's coming, it makes him do that. Yeah. So. Maybe he needed this failure. You're right. So next up, we have a tenuous relationship between Darrow and Apple. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it seems to us like Apple is like totally cool being Darrow's best bud and he's kind of excited about this friendship or fake friendship I don't know he's just excited to fight (laughs) but Darrow is you know he's like this dude's fucking crazy and he can tell like it upsets Severo that um, Darrow's pretending to be buddy buddy with Apple and he's just kind of like snotty about that though he's like he shakes Apollonius's hand and that's the quote we're about to read. So not only is Apple and Darrow's friendship uh, kind of fake at for on Darrow's end, also like Apple has a bomb in his head that Darrow has the power to explode. <laughs> right. So, you know, would you be friends with someone if they could explode your brains whenever they felt like it? If you're as insane as Apollonius, maybe. Maybe you'd be like, man, that's a great... <laughs> Great prank, man. Exactly. (laughs) So Darrow says to Apple, as soon as you enter, it will be on a three-hour timer for detonation that can only be deactivated by us. If we die, you'll follow. If you leave the theater of engagement, it is also programmed to detonate. I'll see you at the waypoint. If you make it gold, he smiles. I shall wait on you, Red. He extends a hand. Grudgingly, I take it. Several watches dourly from the ramp of the Nessus, no doubt misjudging my politeness for fondness. Darrow could be reading into Severo's expression because obviously they just had a huge fight. And now Darrow is like, sup, gold. Yeah. And they're like shaking hands. <laughs> like that so, just looks really bad. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a couple of uh, real tenuous alliances here. Obviously, our Darrow Sever one is the strongest. And it's going to it's going to win out in the end, uh, but at this point, these two are broken up, and they haven't come back together yet. We still haven't seen it, so uh, yeah, not even after Dark Age, right? And I bet we won't see it soon. You don't think so? I think Sever. I'm fully convinced Severo is going to get mind warped. I'm fully on board with Darrow Cassius rescue mission Severo to like open the next book. That'd be so fun. Yeah. And then the three of them are like the three musketeers. <laughs> yeah. And then like Severo and Cassius finally become friends, like right. real friends. That's what we need. And then they can all like sit around a campfire <laughs> and like pretend they're at the Institute again. Classic wolf pack stuff. I love it. Yes. Come on, Pierce. Give us what we want. <laughs> yep. And then we've got Daryl and Apple basically kind of using each other right now. Daryl needs Apple to beat... The Ash Lord and Apple is using Darrow for glory, freedom, etc. Revenge also, obviously. 
uh, on the asteroid himself, even though he's already kind of taken his secret v- revenge already. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Why is Apple risking like death, basically fighting through um, all these forces and stuff, if he already knows the asteroid is basically dead? I think because he sees this as a stepping stone for him being able to like take over Venus and become the warlord there. But do you think he actually knows that his poison worked at this point? Or do you think he just suspects? I think that he suspects that his poison is working away. He obviously knows that Yashward's still alive, it seems like. There was that look that him and Tharsis had passed between each other. I think that's really important because that means like Apple's like, ooh, I know my poison got to him somehow. And now, so maybe he doesn't know in what capacity. Right. Though. And now I think this is much more about Apollonius, like getting his legions back, getting all of his power back, because right. like Tharsis lost everything while uh, Apple was in jail. Okay. Yeah. And then that takes us to our next tenuous alliance that's quickly broken. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, not an alliance. Surprise, surprise. Guess who's involved? Lysander. What a little slippery dancing mask snake. <laughs> and it's uh him and Gaia. And so, Goroth. Yeah, and Goroth, yeah. Poor Goroth. I love that guy. I really did like him Do this time. Do you know what? Too. I feel like I have an affinity for obsidians. Yeah. Just in general. They're pretty cool. I would agree. He's a stain too. He tucks his beard into his pants, which seems like super old dude, but also Do you think his really beard cool? is really long or do you think his pants are really high? <laughs> both. I think it's both. <laughs> I love that. It's like definitely pants at the navel, but also like, you know, full beard. And he's like seven feet tall. So that's pretty That's a lot of beard. Yeah, chin to, to navel at that point is pretty long. Like Santa Claus beard. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Uh, Our first quote here is, uh, obviously, Lysander has been taken out of his room. He's been brought to Gaia's room to play the piano. (laughs) and uh, Expertly. Right. And he says, why did you bring me here? It wasn't to commiserate or show me your piano. I know I'm going to die. Is that why you stopped pretending you're senile? Because you know I won't last the night. And she uh, says, no, it is because I want your help. And then she goes through and just kind of like explains her whole plan and her standing at this point. She doesn't like Dido. Calls her a tramp. tramp. (laughs) (laughs) Which I laughed out loud at. She really just cares about the rem. And she understands that there's more to life than like honor and revenge. And she wants to protect the rem and keep it uh, prosperous like it is right now. Right. And And the longevity of her remaining family members that Cassius didn't kill in the bleeding place. (laughs) Yes. So that's kind of what Lysander is speaking to here with our second quote. He says, Guy does this protect her family and the rim. She could care less about the interior and their people. Serafina suddenly seemed so very noble compared with her grandmother. The young girl's eyes were incandescent when she spoke of bringing peace to the core. So right there, we already know that uh, Lysander is like thinking duplicitous shit at this point. Like he's like, okay, she doesn't, she's not serving the the need that I I need at this point. And he said, "There's only one answer that I can give, guy, that will let me walk out of here. I will do it. I will free your son." He says. 
And Pytho's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Pytho was great in these chapters, I thought. That was great. Uh, I love how Gaia's like, I know you're angry, but talk to me like that again, and yeah. I'll fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. And Pytho's like, yes, Dominic. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Lysander agrees at first, and then breaks the alliance, fights off Garoth. Freaking cuts his hand off. Cuts his hand off. His Stabs eight, him in the his knee. His eight-fingered hand, yeah, almost like cuts his leg off, kind of. And then Garoth disappears. He walks out into the jail cell area or whatever and gets caught on camera or whatever and then just kneels down, puts his hand behind his head, and Pythus says, Lysander, what are you doing? He says, choosing a side. Choosing a side. Yes. So he's, he's broken his alliance with Gaia, obviously, and he's trying to create a new tenuous alliance with Dido and Serafina. That takes us to our next quote, which I thought was just classic fucking Lysander right here. <laughs> classic Lysander. He's trying to explain to them like why he's on their side. They're they're testing his story out and stuff, and they're like saying, like, well, all this stuff, you know, it checks out the razor was Gaia's Garos DNA is in the tunnel still. Uh-huh. And then Lysander says this. He says, death begets death begets death. It's something my grandfather once said, and it's why I did not free Romulus. Gold blood would spill, and there's precious little of it left. Mornar Arcos once said, it is the duty of every man to listen to his enemies. When you spoke, I listened. Your war is just. Cassius did not believe that, but he is gone. And to honor the dead at the cost of the living is a vanity none of us can afford. I just want to point out this is Lysander is justifying a war, a war, a solar system wide war yes. with the quote, death begets death begets death begets death. <laughs> He's like, you know, my, my grandpa used to say this thing and that's what I'm, that's why I'm doing it. I mean, it makes context. It makes sense within the context of this conversation. Um, and the fact that his death begets death begets death only applies to gold blood and not to anybody else dying. Right. <laughs> but it's just funny that it's that's like pure Lysander reasoning, Lysander justification that he can use a quote for that's death begets death that's, begets death. Well, that to quote from Lauren, war starting. That quote from Lauren is like about war. Right. It's anti-war. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The most Lysander thing ever. That's how slippery he is, though, and how easily he is able to kind of like talk through all this stuff. And it is like that dancing mask, you know, Octavia helping him through all that stuff and training him. And it's just like, this is who Lysander is. He can pretty much just conjure uh, justification out of anywhere he wants. The next frenemy friendship which is like my favorite in these chapters and really in the whole book. This is a great. This is probably my favorite chapter in the whole book. And it's Ephraim and the Kids. And this would be a great sitcom, I just have to say. <laughs> just these murdery kids with this drug addicted nanny. Yeah. Is that a sitcom yet? <laughs> yeah, I really wish we could get like a side adventure where like maybe not the entire fate of the solar system is at play, but just like a fun, you know, like. A heist with Ephraim and the, and the, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they obviously are like bickering back and forth and, and 
doing these little side insults, and it's really great. And uh, Ephraim says, uh, I'm on your side, girly. If you little brats want to see your parents again, you do just as I say. Otherwise, we'll get all peeled apart like onions for a stew. This is the part where you nod. They both nod. First the boy, then the girl. Good. And then uh, still in the safe before they exit, Pax says, what's your name? The boy asks me. My name, I laugh. Ephraim. He extends a small hand. The little half-breed is mocking me, but his eyes are sincere. I laugh again and take the small hand. There are no sigils on it, but I'm surprised by the calluses I find there. Pax, he says. Aw, they're friends. <laughs> yeah, He's so is, polite. He's like, I know. I know you stole me, but now you're saving me. So my name's Pax. <laughs> and Electra's over there like, I'm going to stab him. I love how like Pax... And Mustang are like the only reasonable people on this diary. In the book. (laughs) Well, they're smart. They're like, let me see how I can talk my way through this and not just poke holes in people. (laughs) Right. And yeah, then you've got Electra just acting like a psycho. I love it. And uh, Ephraim keeps calling her like little psycho. And uh, like, oh, you didn't play with dolls? as a girl did you <laughs> yeah she's like spinning the razor around he's like i got i forgot these are little warlords like, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's fun and he's like hey watch the duke she's like immobilizing blower just a flesh wound he's like jeez <laughs> chill the just like, fuck wa- out. like watch him <laughs> this, yeah there's this is my favorite friend of me yeah so this is the start of a tenuous alliance, obviously, that we know continues to develop into Dark Age. Into Dark Age. And uh Pax and Ephraim become quite the little team, I yeah. feel like. And Electra's just still she's just, throwing insults. Yeah, she's too crazy to get close to, I feel like. <laughs> she's like a rabid dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too many sharp angles. Exactly. Too dour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of just where that starts it's right here they like building their relationship and what they go through right here kind of binds the three of them together interesting to see how that develops from here luckily they stay very quippy all throughout this as well as Stargate. they never stop (laughs) yes (laughs) i wish they could keep going but somebody died oh my gosh somebody got their heart ripped out where are they that's this week's theme. <laughs> uh, you almost missed it. <laughs> Tenuous alliances. That takes us to our prime five. Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Okay. Our first observation. This is like an anti-prime. <laughs> I feel like we just got a really embarrassing effort from Darrow here. It's This is... The reason why I didn't like this book the first two times I read it is Darrow. He's just pissing me off. Like this this time through, I'm liking the book a lot more, but it's because of the other characters. It's right. not because of Darrow. Yeah. He's, you're just like, dude, you've been so smart the other books. Why are you so dumb in this book? Yeah, he's just really not doing a lot of thinking, not doing a lot of analysis on the situation. Pretty much zero. When he's like, I know the Ash Lord so well, and nobody's seen him in three years. What's going on? I don't understand why we're not just like, pause, let's figure this out. 
This is a bad idea. We cannot go blindly flying into the dark zone. <laughs> the quote unquote dark zone where he has a island fortress and legions many more than you do. And be like, I wonder where he's at. <laughs> yeah. I bet Adelania's there. Not a place to just be like poking around. It's annoying. <laughs> And I feel like Pierce even throws in extra lines to make Darrow like more annoying. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. That conversation he has with Severo, like he just blows him off. Really, like he's being a dick. He's being a huge dick. And then he's like thinking to himself, like Severo's a coward. I was just like, Darrow, like, that's just extremely inappropriate. Just because he's worried about his family, and. He, you know, he's not listening to the howlers, not not taking the counsel of his friends, his most important uh, advisors. He also doesn't fight very well. Let's just be honest. You know, he he's like worse for sure than Thraxa. Yeah, and he's just getting thrown around. He's off his game because he's you know, like he's he's literally just off his game in these chapters. He basically almost dies at least four times. And the only reason he doesn't die is because of crazy Apple coming in. Right. Just happened to be at the right moment. Yeah. Like he legit almost died. Severo's arm is all twisted up bit right. backwards. Milia's cut in half. Like everyone's super fucked up except for Alexander. Right. Yeah. And he almost gets killed by a random obsidian. Daryl does. And he's not using, like, his usual tactics. He's not changing the paradigm. He's not, like, doing anything that we're used to Daryl doing. He's, like, no, he's walking just straight towards yeah. the golds. <laughs> like, okay, we got to cut them all down. It's just, like... No tricks. I need Daryl to be better here. It's hard to read. Also, there's a very hilarious moment during the Daryl and Severo fight where Thraxa is also there the entire time, like, while they're fighting. Just like looking at her <laughs> data just like pad. Looking at her, just like looking at her cell phone, just like this is awkward. It's her data pad. It's not called just... a cell phone. <laughs> We're in the future, Ben. She's looking at her data pad like this is awkward. <laughs> I'm not listening. And then Daryl's like, Do you have anything to add? She's like, Nope. <laughs> yeah, she's like, Don't have time sure don't. to think. <laughs> so next on our prime five, we see a nuke here. And if you remember, we also see a bigger version of a nuke in Dark Age. Right. So this is kind of a precursor. Uh, Severo uses it to take out the sniper that hit Darrow, and then he blasts away their pulse shield mm -hmm. over the island. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty crazy that then in Dark Age, we see like the full effect of a not baby nuke. It's a mama nuke. Right. It was just, it's interesting... Like, we got, like, I think it was three chapters in Iron Gold of this, like, all-out warfare. But, like, how many chapters of it did we get in Dark Age? This is, like, such a little appetizer for what we see in Dark Age and, like, the how crazy and how just, like, balls to the wall that book is. Right. <laughs> I remember reading this sequence the first time around in Iron Gold and just be like, wow, that was really dope. Like, and you were like, oh, my God, we almost died. Yeah. And it's like, you have no idea. Yeah. You're going to almost die again. Yeah, comparing this, uh, these three chapters and this battle to, like, all of the shit we see in Dark Age is just like, this is like baby shit right here. Baby nuke. Yeah. And then also in this fight scene, we see... Alexander is 
totally untouched after all the fighting. Yeah, That's like pretty he has dope. not a single wound. Like his star shells all smoking and stuff, and but and he's like, up, but he's ding. totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no one shot me in the face today. <laughs> I just love that about uh, Alexander. And then we also have Rona contributing. She had like a really great shot. Um, she shot she some mines, some peeps, saved Darrow and them coming out of the water. Point. And Darrow's like, good shot, Rona. <laughs> I could kiss her. <laughs> we thought comparing this fight scene to the whole book of Dark Age. It's just such a little precursor, a little appetizer for what you're going to see in, in Dark Age. And even there's like the descriptions of like meat of men, meat of men and pulp and pulp yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he first before he makes meat of them he makes pulp of them and i'm like nobody likes pulp <laughs> yeah. and there's just so much more of that in dark age like twitching meat carpet is all i'm gonna say <laughs> gross <laughs> next on our prime five list uh we've got our man apollonius god he is great everything he says in these books is amazing um, he has so many like great quotes. We read the quote at the top uh, where he's just like saves Darrow <laughs> and he's just screaming about how amazing they are together. He also says like this, he has a great line about the uh, howlers and the path that they cut to the island. Uh, and then before like the... you were like falling angels or something. <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then he, uh, before the battle starts, he's like singing and he's singing this passage and I looked it up and it's actually from Paradise Lost, which is spot on for Apollonius. And one of the things that Pierce said to us in his interview is just like it's really easy for him to write Apollonius's dialogue because it's just like quoting Paradise Lost and saying all this crazy shit. Just it's easy to yeah he said it's easy to write a character when they're crazy you can just say whatever the fuck you want yeah and uh you can see lots and lots of examples of that in these couple chapters here where the battles are and apollonius is just amazing i wish we could just make him the uh MVP the spokesperson every chapter. Yeah. <laughs> i wish i could just read his dialogue constantly i think that makes you a little crazy ben no we love him he's great uh, also, another person who's really cool is Gaia. I liked her a lot this time around. I I always liked her. Yeah, I but did Romulus's yeah. grandma. Uh, she's got great lines with everyone. Uh, she clearly loves her like companion, the Obsidian guy. Yeah, but she's still a super iron gold. So like when Pytha um kind of mouths off to her, she's like, "Talk like that to me again, lowborn." Like, yeah, I'm going to make your tongue fertilize my tobacco garden. <laughs> right. And Pytha's like, oh, fuck. And yeah. then she, Gaia's still just like, do-do-do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll fuck you up. Try right. that again. And then she's clearly, like, uh, maneuvered this rim lifestyle for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember she knows Lysander's grandma, Octavia, so she can kind of... Uh, sneakily talk to him about that and say like i knew your grandma like we were young friends so she's survived all this time with uh all this drama over all these years Mm -hmm. so she's very smart well aged and now she's pretending to be crazy yeah just to like survive even longer with 
uh, Dido. Yep. The the Venusian tramp. Yep. And then uh, it's also interesting that Lysander says that she reminds him of Atalantia. Yeah, I was. Of I, his aunt. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I just uh, was wondering what the connection was there. Maybe because she's sneaky. Ooh, I think that would be a good idea, probably. Hmm. Yeah, I just didn't get, I didn't see the comparison, and then I just thought it was interesting. Oh, this is why. She wears a snake around her neck. Oh. <laughs> oh, wait. Now I see it. Guy, I forgot her snake today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a couple other pieces of dialogue that I really liked from her. Uh, she has a great quote right before Lysander and Pytha and Garoth go into the tunnels where she says, you fool, not all who live fear death. What yeah, saying, that's like, badass. Yeah, it's really badass. Next time I like am going on a roller coaster and someone <laughs> is like, oh, I can't go. That looks too scary. Like yeah. the Mamba World's Fun. I <laughs> say, you fool, not all who live fear death. And then we're going to get on the ride. And just turn around and walk off. Yeah, perfect. I'm going to do that. She also has a really interesting clue in one of her um, lines about how the rim has recovered from the destruction of the docks of Ganymede. She says they built ships out of the ruins of the dock. So that might be a clue for us for like how the rim recovered so quickly and built all these new types of ships that they have. Maybe they had some subterranean uh, garages down there mm. with some new versions of ships. Who knows? Anyways, Gaia is super cool. Yep, Gaia, you get two thumbs up from Hallerpod. Do you think she survives? We don't see her death. No. Nope, she's, she's probably still, chilling. She's still chilling out there in the rim. Garoth sure. got a new hand and they're just hanging out. You think Garoth's still just uh, walking around the... The tunnels. The tunnels. <laughs> I think he would have had to get medical attention <laughs> yeah. to survive. He's probably having a hard time. Our last item is, is just kind of a... There's a, some throwaway dialogue between two thorns uh, while at the Duke's compound. And this is while Ephraim has the Duke hostage and he's like um, trying to sneak down to the vault to get to the kids. And these people are walking by and they're talking about, they're, they're talking about the syndicate queen and they say she's coming tomorrow. Um, she's supposed to come in for the prize that the Duke just brought in. The kids. They don't know that it's the kids though, which is no. interesting. Um, and... They're saying, oh, she's actually coming? And then he's like, yeah, I heard she's coming. He's like, and then one of them says, I thought the collector would come. And then uh, the other guy's like, no, she's coming herself. And she has huge tits. <laughs> and she has huge tits. I don't think Lilith has huge tits. <laughs> That's just a joke. They're uh, just thinking that it's the obsidian right. version. They do say something about huge boobs, though. Uh, anyway, I just want to know who is the collector. So what I did was I did a cursory search through Dark Age. Dark Age for the collector. There's nothing there. So I'm wondering if we'll see that character maybe pop up in the next book and whether they would be a henchman for, you know, Abominadrius or Lilith or whether maybe that's just another bone rider or something. Uh, it's just an interesting thing. I wonder if we'll see that name pop back up and the collector and cause some trouble later on. Maybe it is Lilith. 
Yeah, it could be. I mean, who knows? She wears many masks. Now that we have finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... An old favorite, Ephraim. Oh, good job, Eph. He's back. He's back on the Primus of the Week. Do you know why? I know why. Do you oh, know why? I know why, too. <laughs> Because he cuts off the Duke's hand. That's just a little poetic justice right there. Because the Duke of Hands only now has one hand. Got him. Got that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has excellent combos with everyone, not just the kids, right. but he's being funny left and right. His conversation with Gorgo is quite oh, fun. Yeah. That was, he's just like <laughs> throwing shade to this guy who could literally crush his face with his hand gorgo holds his own i feel like though he was he's good he's pretty good. scary <laughs> he's pretty scary yeah. and then ultimately ephraim accomplishes his mission and he gets the kids back even though he did get poked a few times yeah poked yeah poked by gunfire yeah poked by a subdermal razor <laughs> yeah. you know he's a little fucked up but you know, he's doing great, and he's got two new little friends. He's going to hopefully, what he thinks, save Volga, but as we know, it doesn't fully wor- work out for him. Right. But so he's does, on his way at this point. Does the Sovereign have Volga right now, or do, when does Victor get a hold of Volga? I think, like, at the same time Lyria gets kidnapped, I'm assuming... Volga's getting kidnapped. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Cool. I'm assuming... uh, The brown. It's Figment. Yeah, I'm assuming Figment did both. Oh, I just put that together (laughs) in that moment. I literally did, too. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Figment. Way to show up in Iron Gold. We didn't even realize it. All right. Now that we know the Primus of the Week, we get to move on to Howler Q&A. This question comes from Rebecca Clayton. She sent us an email through HowlerPod.com. You, too, can go to HowlerPod.com and send us an email. We will answer your question on the podcast. That is a plug. (laughs) The question is, who would you love to play your faves in a Red Rising TV show or movie? Okay, I'm going to put one parameter on this because we talk about this all day. You have to just pick one, one person. Like one person to play a single character. How dare you? So I'm, I'll go first just to give you some time to think because I know you haven't thought about this. <laughs> I already have mine. Do you want to know mine? Go then. Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> Charlize Theron. That was mine. You no, can't way! Say that. no way. No <laughs> way. Yes. Did I read your mind? You must have. I just looked at you and pulled that out of your mind. <laughs> For Victra? Yes. I legit, did we both see that somewhere? I don't know. That don't just know. came out of nowhere in my brain. I literally thought about it 10 minutes ago when I put that question in I there. I thought about it one minute ago. <laughs> well, that's our number one. Shit. She's so hot. She was, She's too old now. Charlize Theron is like literally one of my Because how old is Victra? Favorite people. Well, Victra's not as young as She's Dara. older. She's 40. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I think of Charlize in Mad Max. Yes, exactly. You know I love that movie. That's like one of no, my favorite movies. No, you know movies. I love that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Yeah. Do you know who I love? Who? 
Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki. Who's he going to play, though? You'd have to play an evil character, I feel like. I just think that he's hot, and I <laughs> like him. He would be good for Jackal, but he's not. He's too old for it, I feel like. I was thinking he would be like a good Romulus. Hmm. That's interesting. Or anyone. <laughs> this is a great answer. <laughs> you just want him like shirt off in the movie at some point. Is that He's, what you're... Well, Tom Hiddleston, I don't think of him as a shirt off guy. I think of, um, obviously, Chris Hemsworth as a shirt off guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're not going to get into that any further. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Who's your second one? You can't pick Charlize. If we can't pick Charlize, I'll I'll shout out one of our Howler friends, Dustin Turk. He had a really good idea for dancer to be played by Woody Harrelson. Perfect. I love Woody Harrelson. Big fan. So I'll put him in the movie as dancer. Sound good? Sounds great. Sorry, I Googled Tom Hiddleston shirtless. <laughs> I was not disappointed. <laughs> Surprisingly, he has abs. All right, let's get this thing back on track. You know what's next? What are we into this week? You get to go first this week. Wow. Uh, hi, I'm Aaron. I am into... So I have a story for what I'm into. Let's do it. So I was at uh, First Fridays in Kansas City. Drinking some beer, doing some window shopping. First Fridays, we have like all these artists and people on the street selling stuff. So uh, I came to this table of this beautiful jewelry with these handmade earrings. And as you guys all probably know, it's really in style to have like tassel earrings right now. So she makes custom tassel earrings and they have these like cool stones and like if you're into like crystals and gems they look very unique her name is courtney bond and she's on etsy you can just look her up at courtney bond on etsy just go to etsy search bar courtney with a c courtney bond james like james bond (laughs) bond courtney bond exactly i said that to her when i met her and she was like wow i've never heard that anyways Um, I've bought a few of her earrings. She also has like some necklaces and stuff, but it's worth a look. I've been telling everyone about it recently because I'm in the market for a new pair. Nice. Sounds good. Ben, what are you into this week? I've been, uh, continuing my, my Star Wars rewatch and I'm not going to recommend a Star Wars movie, just a single part of a movie. And that's everyone should go back and watch the lightsaber fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi. In Revenge of the Sith. I just watched this the other day. It's pretty fucking epic. Everybody hates on the prequels, but I really love that part. So dramatic. So dramatic. Is it good, like cheesy, not good, but it's fun to watch, or is it like actually good? No, it's like it it's borderline good. Wow. The part like the first part of it where Padme is there, pretty bad. Dialogue well, horrible. Yeah. But they're just cute. <laughs> they're not they're not there to like say good lines. They're just there to Once be cute. The Anakin Obi-Wan part like locks in. You are my brother. You are the chosen one. Why is your voice so smoky? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a volcano planet just being Obi-Wan Kenobi right now. I see. Yeah. Uh it just it gets get got me emotionally this time. I I really Do you like cry? it. cry? No, I don't cry. I mean, maybe a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> just 
just a single tear moment. Just it's it's good stuff. Two thumbs up from Ben. Go back and watch that. It's actually good. Ben, what are we doing next episode? Next episode on HowlerPod, we're gonna read chapters fifty nine through the end of the book. Oh, the end of this book. The Guess end. what? We have another book. Yes. So this is the plan. We are going to finish Iron Gold. This episode is dropping Friday. We'll finish Iron Gold Monday. Aaron and I are going to take a little bit of a vacation from the pod for a few weeks. Then we'll return with the Dark Age reread. We will tell you guys when we're coming back how those episodes are all going to drop. Just make sure you're following us on all the social meds. Where can they find us, Aaron? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com. Go to howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. If you don't give us five stars only, we'll cut off one of your body parts and put it in a colony of really huge ants the size of small cats. Did anyone else actually think about how big that is? Really? Yes. The queen is uh, like engorged purple pregnant ant the size of a small cat that's big fuck it's a big (laughs) ant anyways that's where we'll put your body parts if you don't give us five stars only so better just do it (laughs) all right thanks howlers omnis vir lupus oh